2: Going on, everybody, and welcome back to a circus. This slate is crazy. Uh, this is the stochastic NHL strategy show sponsored by BetMGM. I'm your host, you know me, It's Josh. Joining me as always, co-pilot some Cliffy. How are we doing today?
3: Not too bad, man. Um, just glad last night's slate is over with. Um <laughs> It was, uh, yeah, it was a pretty big disaster for me last night. Um, a really low scoring night. I, I think somebody in our discord said, I don't play cash games, but somebody in our discord said the cash line was 75 points. Um, a week ago, Tage Thompson put up 70 by himself in a game. So it it was a really weird, uh, night last night. Um, no, I did not cash. Uh, it was, um, you know, a pretty bad, um, effort uh on my part in that regard I had you know I had I think my best player was Matt Boldy who put up like 20 points um as soon as soon as Tim Stutzla went down I just I just stopped caring he was in my lineup um that that injury certainly didn't look good although good news on Cole Caulfield he did travel with the team today um they play tomorrow on Wednesday night hockey so it looks like Caulfield's gonna be all right even though he left the game yesterday but Stutzla. Not good news on that. No, well, I guess we don't have any firm news, but it's not looking good, that's for sure.
2: Yep, I didn't do too great either. I'm in a little bit of cold st- stretch right now. It happens like I had a few weeks stretch where I was, you know, cooking with gas. Now I'm, my gas is frozen.
3: You're getting cooked but with
2: uh... gas. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we got a real quick, let's get to a $10 super chat from Mark Brute. Probably pronounced that wrong. I just wanted to say Brute. Thank you guys so much for the ongoing great content and comedy. You're welcome. Had two big wins this week. Took down the $4.20 max last Friday in second place on the $5 last night. Thank you. No, thank you for tuning in. And that is excellent. That is a nice that, – that $5 tournament's great. It's gotten bigger today. First time it's grown, which is nice to see. It's, it's filled every day. It's been out. So congrats to you. Whatever you're doing, keep doing it. Congrats.
3: Yeah, um, I I would just say, you know, we appreciate the compliments and all that, but we're just here giving some plays that we like through the day. It's still up to the people watching to, you know, click the players in the lineup and put their own money up. So um, give yourself some kudos there. Um, You do most of the work. We're just here talking for an hour about hockey every day.
2: Yeah. I apparently forget what I say sometimes. Like I got called out in the discord for a, a tout that I had no idea that I did yesterday. Sorry about that.
3: Well, I it mean, it, it has been a busy stretch for us. Um, a lot of hockey of late. So, um, sometimes the, you know, we went through this problem last year with the compressed schedule. Sometimes one day just bleeds into another. You forget who even played the night before. Um, so those things happen. Well, We'll be right. Sometimes we'll be wrong a lot. And, uh, we'll just hope, uh, to win some money between here and the end of the season.
2: Yeah, I will say I forgot that I touted Eric Brandstrom Min price, ended up having six block shots. So, worked out, I guess.
3: There you go. Uh,
2: we have a 12 gamer, though. We probably should start talking about it. Before we do, give us a like and subscribe to keep up with all of our shows, DFS offers, giveaways, and much more. Once you subscribe, hit that notification button to get alerts when our shows go live. Don't forget, we're available in podcast form on the platform of your choice please smash that like button i know you, a lot of you guys tune in and don't like to hit the like button helps us out so much please just hit that like button i don't want to beg but oh, please new york we'll beg,
3: we'll beg. Oh, we don't worry will. about that we oh, we're not about we'll begging weird,
2: yeah i will do some weird things <laughs> for some likes I won't say what they are yet. New York
4: Islanders. <laughs> that was <an> awkward silence. <laughs> yeah.
2: New York Islanders, 2.4 total heading into Boston. The Bruins have a 3.6 total. Apparently, Verlarmov is probable. Linus Ulmark also probable. If it is Verlamov, I can't say his last name. Semyon V. If it is him, I have some interest here in Boston. They got to have a 3.6 total here. Not too much ownership on either of these two lines. They're going back to old Boston one fully correlated, very expensive 23 and change here, but almost no ownership. If it's, if it's Sorokin, he has struggled a bit recently, but like that probably pushed me to MME a little bit, but it won't take much to get over the field.
3: Yeah. I think one of the beat writers said that, um, They kind of want to give Sorokin almost like a little breather, a little rest. He had had a few mediocre to bad starts in a row. Varlamov hasn't been awful. So um, it's a chance to keep Sorokin away from Boston, I guess. And, you know, just give him a little bit of reset. And, you know, that's fine. Goalies need that. Players need that sometimes. So, um, you know, probably will be Varlamov. I'll just say, like, I don't have any interest in the Islanders here tonight. Um, certainly not in like one to three lineups. Obviously, if you're playing in that five dollar one fifty or the fifteen dollar or whatever, um, if you're playing a ton of lineups, then you know maybe you start considering them. But one to three, I don't have any. Um, we don't even know who's playing for the Islanders because Anthony Beauvillier and Kyle Palmieri are effectively game time decisions, and we don't know exactly what the lineup's going to look like. Like beat, beat writers are just guessing that um, it's going to be Lee uh, Barzal and Wallstrom, which. In a nutshell, um, seems like a line that I would want to use, um, but not going up against the Patrice Bergeron uh, Boston one at home. That's certainly not a a spot I'm going to use them. So I don't have any real interest in in the Islanders here. Boston is pretty interesting because, as you mentioned, um, not a whole lot of ownership on them. Um, I'm going to bring up our top stacks tool here here, uh, real quick. You can see Boston one right there. Bergeron, Pasternak, Martian, um, nearly 19% top two stack percentage, only 2.2% ownership um, by our uh, top stacks tool, our very wonderful top stacks tool. So no, people aren't really going to be playing them. Obviously the cost is fairly prohibitive. What I'll mention is something that we've talked about a couple times this season, because Pasternak's been playing a lot on the second line, at least at even strength, is that the Boston top line, I don't think it would really surprise anybody scores way more when Pasternak is on the top line versus the second line. When he's there with them over the last three years, 4.3 goals for 60 minutes at five on five. When he's there, when he's not on that line, it drops to 2.9. So their goal scoring goes up like 40 or 45% math top off the top of my head when Pasternak is on that line, which is a massive increase. So, You know, perfect correlation. Um, You know, the Islanders typically have a good penalty kill. Um, The goaltending is probably saving them more than anything else. Boston one is perfectly fine to play here. And on a slate this large, there are, you know, secondary low-cost lines and low-cost duo stacks and things like that that you can go to. You know, there are a couple $2,500 defensemen that are viable uh, on DraftKings on today's slate. Um, There are some fairly cheap lines um, across, you know, all, you know, the entire slate. Like we'll talk about Arizona. Arizona has cheap lines. I mean, Chicago has cheap lines. Um, You know, uh, Columbus has a a relatively cheap second line. There's a cheap third line in Los Angeles. Um, Seattle isn't that super expensive if you go with some duos. Like there are places you can go. So I do kind of like the spot here for Boston. Um, It's just that they're really super expensive and I'm I'm not sure I'll like the build when I get there. But um, when you look at lines, like in that price range, it's basically them or Edmonton, right? Um, We'll talk about Edmonton a little bit later. They're uh, going in. We will. Um, So I do like Boston one. It's just, I, I, the price is a lot and it's one of those things that if Boston does get a lead, like if they get up three, nothing in the second period, um, you know they might not see a lot of ice time for the rest of the game. That's something that Boston does as well. So I have no issue playing them if you have a lineup that, that you can put together that you like with them. It's just they are really, really expensive, and it, it's just hard to fit them in. That's all.
2: Yeah. Agree with that sentiment. On the blue lines here, it's like probably just Charlie McAvoy. If you're correlating, that's really expensive with Boston one, but you can make it work. Pro- probably about it on either side, maybe like Sebastian five maybe, but that's about it.
3: Yeah. I'll, I mean, with no, uh, Adam Pellick, I'll always, you know, Scott Mayfield is a guy that will always be in play for me. I think he can definitely rack up the shot blocks, um, up against Boston I'll also mention Ryan Pollock on FanDuel. I think he's a little too expensive on DK on FanDuel. I think he's only like 4,500 and he might, I think he played 23 minutes last game without Pellick in the lineup. So, um, don't mind him, but it's not a guy that I'd be like he's a priority play today or anything like that.
2: Los Angeles Kings with a three point four total heading into Buffalo. The Sabers also has a have a three point four. Phoenix Copley, Craig Anderson probable. Jeff Skinner still suspended. Casey Middlestat still up on that top line. I guess um, Victor Arvidson's out. His wife is having a baby or something. Yeah. Yep. They said Magnus, but I'm assuming that meant week door to week door.
3: There was a Magnus Arvidsson that played for Ottawa, but I don't think he's been in the right. league for like 10 years now. Right.
2: So it looks like Gabriel velardi is going to move up with Deneau and Moore. Um,
3: just something quick on that. Uh, LA Kings beat writer released a story right before we came on the air, um, saying that they're going to put Jared Anderson Dolan on the second line and leave the third line together with Velarde, uh Kempe, and I follow. it looks like.
2: All righty then. Yeah. Don't mind Jared Aronson Dolan, honestly, though. Like, I don't know if I'm going to play him tonight, but, like, he's not, like, I don't know, Zegmiss Grinsen. He's
3: he's not forward Mikey Anderson. Yeah. Let's put it that way.
2: Like, he can hold his own up there. Um, so, yeah, with that, I missed that story. Thank you for that. With Jared Aronson Dolan moving up to the second line, it seems like this is a good spot for to use Kings one on the Buffalo side, you know, with Middlestad up there, I guess in a nutshell, like Buffalo one's fine because they're fully correlated and the Kings struggle defensively on the penalty kill, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But that time, that line takes a big hit when it's not Jeff Skinner and it's Casey Middlestad. So like, I'm going to go to the lower owned 3.4 total here and go to the Kings side.
3: Yeah. Um, you and I were talking just before the show about what to do in this game because um you know 6.8 uh total between the two teams that's a lot you don't want to just like completely ignore it at the same time there is some differences you know with the lines here obviously um Jared Anderson Dolan moving up he's not Victor Arvidsson um that line it can still be fine but it seems like it's one of those lines where um the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. You know what I mean? Like you, you, you want all, all three of them together, especially with, um, you know, some of them with the the power play, especially because this is a good power play spot for Los Angeles, and that King's second unit has been the better unit all season long. Um, but with Anderson Dolan there, I I think it takes a little bit of bite out of them. But honestly, I think it's fine to play for this reason: is that that they didn't tweet out. Those line combinations. It was just in a story that one of their writers posted, literally right before we came on the air. I'm wondering how many people are going to have that exact more know Anderson Dolan combination. You know what I mean? It, I think it's going to be pretty low. So I, I think that makes for a, a a decent sneaky secondary stack, right? Because I don't think a lot of people are going to have them. Again, it's one of those things where I don't know if I'll get there in like single entry or, or one to three, but if I'm playing 20 lineups or 150 or whatever it might be, that Kings 2 is probably going to come in pretty low owned in a, in a 3.4 total. But it is the top line that I like here. Um, you know, that like Kings top line has been scoring quite a bit since they got put together. Um, obviously, the shooting percentage is, is un, unsustainable, but it's nice to see Arthur Kaliev get more minutes. He has a 15-minute game since he got moved up. I know there's one game he only played like 11 minutes, but he still had six shots. Um, he played 17 in their last game. Um, so I do like the Kings' top line here, especially where you know they aren't coming in um, with that much ownership. Again, by our top stacks tool, coming in at four to five percent, I think that's perfectly fine, especially um in a in a power play spot. You know, the Buffalo. You know, they both have bottom 10 penalty kills, but Buffalo's, you know, in the bottom 10. So it is a good power play spot for the Kings top line. So I do like Kings one here. I'm not playing Buffalo one. We just talked about Pasternak's impact with Boston. Jeff Skinner's kind of the same um, on the top line with Tage Thompson. Over the last two seasons, Tage Thompson has 330 minutes at five on five without Jeff Skinner. Goals four goes down 30%. Expected goals four goes from over three down to 2.1. They just work incredibly well together. And Casey Middlestat he's, he's just bad. Like, I don't know how else to say it. He doesn't have his, his expected goals for impacts are bad. He doesn't, he's not good at creating scoring chances. He's, he's fine on the power play. So I guess because it is a good power play spot, you can go in that, you know, that would be one justification for it. Um, but I think without Skinner there, I really don't have interest in Buffalo one. If anything, it would be dropping down to that Buffalo second line um, as a as a secondary stack, like Cousins and Quinn or Cousins-Paterka or something like that. But it's Kings one that I like most here.
2: Yeah. And just out of personal preference, if you know the Kings want to put Adrian Kempe on the top line instead of Kevin Fiala just so we can call him the AK-47s, I would be fine with that. But I prefer Fiala up there. Let's move to the blue line. Drew Doughty appears he's going to be in tonight. Uh, he's 4,700. This is a pretty good spot for him, although he doesn't do too much with his 28 minutes of ice time. Sean Dursey, fit more expensive here. Uh, I think he's more in play if Doughty is, in fact, out. Uh, Matt Roy, okay, 3,900. On the Buffalo side, there isn't much really jumping off the page here. I guess, like, Darlene in the nutshell is fine for the power play. Matias Samuelson's fine for box shots, but he's a little expensive for my taste. Owen Powers peripherals haven't been great. So, not too much that excites me on the Buffalo side.
3: Yeah, I'll mention Sean Walker just because of doubt, he's out. Um, Walker moved up to, uh, to the top power play, and he's only 2,600 in the last game. So, just keep an eye on that. Like, Dalvin played 30 minutes in their last game, I think when Yoko um was injured, like they didn't give anybody else any more minutes. They're like, you're tall and you're just playing 30. Um, so like if he plays a ton of minutes in a high total game, I think he's fine. But there, are, there's a couple other expensive defensemen later on in the slate that I
1: prefer.
2: Yep. Anaheim Ducks with a 2.2 total heading into Toronto. The Maple Leafs have a 4.2 total. John Gibson probable Ilya Samsonov. Confirmed Ilya Ansinoff min price on FanDuel, by the way. He is almost maximum price on DraftKings. So big price disparity there. I'm gonna kick it to you because one of my dogs just got his head stuck in the banister on the stairs. So I have to go let him out. I'll be I'll be right back if we talk about the leaf for a second here. Uh
3: yeah, poor King Bacon Pie. I guess uh maybe he um oops, sorry, I guess he must have uh had something happen. I'll just bring up our uh, lineup builder here uh, very quickly. Lineup builder available for subscribers um, at stochastic.com. You can check it out even if you're not a subscriber, it just won't have ownership and projections and everything like that. The stack projection for the top top Toronto line is 49.3 points.
0: Did you miss your deadline to renew your Medicaid coverage? You can still send your completed annual review form to Healthy Connections Medicaid.
3: it's one of those totals that you only see basically when Edmonton has their stack top line in a good matchup. Um, So obviously uh, we're expecting a ton of points here. Um, You know, Michael Bunting, um, Austin Matthews, William Nylander, all their prices are less than half or all their projections are twice um, their price. Right. And that's typically a barometer of decent values when you can get over two X on the projection um, compared to their price. Now the thing is, is on last night's slate, like we had Ottawa won in, in double digits for ownership, and they came in way, way higher than that, especially in the low dollar contests. Um, I think off just off the top of my head, I think in the $3 three max, Brady Kachuk alone was 40% owned. Like, I know this is a 12-game slate. 28? Yesterday was six. Yeah, yesterday was yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yesterday was six games. Um, that makes a difference, but I, you know, we have Austin Matthews projected at 17%. I could see him coming in at like 25% plus, yep. but even still, it's such a good matchup just because Anaheim is, you know, they're one of the worst teams defensively five on five on the penalty kill. It doesn't matter. Um, you know, Toronto's power play has struggled a bit without Morgan Riley, but it, it, it seems like the shots are fine. The shot attempts are fine and all that. It seems like it's just a small sample shooting percentage thing, which you know, Toronto's first month was defined by small sample shooting percentage problems, so uh, I'm not super concerned about that. Um, yeah, I, I, Toronto 1, Toronto 2, Toronto power play, all very much in play here. If you're worried about ownership, maybe in smaller contests, um, you know, maybe you're in a 100-man winner-take-all or something like that, power play stacking is perfectly fine here in this matchup. Um I, I it's, it's, it's really hard to get away from Toronto here. When I say that though, it's like, aside from the Winnipeg Jets, is there any other team that can absolutely fall on their face um, against a bad team? Like Toronto lost to Arizona at home earlier this year. Like it, it's not impossible that it happens. So um, whether you want to play them or not is up to you, but um, there aren't very many better spots that the Toronto Maple Leafs will be in the season and you know the top line still under 20k on DraftKings, so yeah, you have to love them. On the Anaheim side, I think they're fine. I think the top the top line, you know, Troy, Troy Terry, Trevor Zegers, Adam Henry, you know, their numbers are still pretty good over their last 100 and so minutes. 2.8 expected goals for. All they're all playing like 20 to 21 minutes typically most nights. Um, you know, the Toronto top line has been giving up some chances defensively. It has been the goaltending that has saved them. Um, So, you know, I I wouldn't forget about Anaheim if you're playing 20 or 150 or or something like that. But obviously this is all about Toronto one. This is about as good a spot as it gets. If you fade them, hold on tight. It's going to be quite the night.
2: Yeah. And like, I I, I hate the Leafs. I'll I'll just say, I hate the Leafs. I'm a (laughs) hater. And the one thing going in my favor here, if I'm fading the Leafs, is it's probably going to be John Gibson in that. If any goalie on a pooper's team can stand on his head, it's John Gibson. Now, can you rely on that? Absolutely not. But if you're going to get a Leafs team between the first and the second line, first of all, I agree with you. I think Matthews, Matthews will be easily the highest on leaf, and will probably be 25 30% just because – People love to one-off Matthews, no matter what his ownership is, et cetera, et cetera. If you can tell me a quarter of this field is going to have a Leaf in their lineup on a 12-game slate, there's other four totals, there's other really big totals. Like, to me personally, in one to three, I'm probably going to fade them. Now, that's a wildly horrific scenario if they go off. Like, you just have to hope on this big of a slate – that there's going to be multiple paths to victory. Now that's my rant on why I'm going to fade the leaves. That being said, I think they're one of, if not the best plays of the night. And I think if you are worried about ownership, which is a legitimate concern on a night like this, you see it 24 teams and one of them's like 20%. You add in bunting on that top line stack, you add in Dennis Malgan on that second line stack, or you just full on like power play stack. You know what I mean? Like going Matthews, Nylander, Sandine, right? That's not going to be sneaky. It's not going to be different. I think if you want to add in Sandine, you add in Bunting, right? You have Matthews, Nealander, Bunting. Yeah, all three of those guys may come in in double digits, but like I would imagine, those that three man stack is going to be under ten percent. So that's my rant on the Leafs. I just, I can't stand one offing Matthews, especially when it's going to be chalk. You have, like, if he has a big game, there's going to be other people coming along for the ride. So try to avoid one offing Matthews. You bring other guys along for the ride. If you're going to power play stack, I think you power play stack. But if you want to just go to the top line, I think leaving Bunting in because this is a very good five on five matchup as well. Like, the Ducks are just absolute trash defensively. They're back to back on the road. So, yeah. Glad I got that out. You know, I feel much lighter. I feel I could go for a jog. But let's move to the blue line. Uh, Rasmus Sandin coming in with pretty low ownership just because his price is above 4000 now. I think that's a way to get different. Like, yeah, Sandin was super popular when he was like 2600 3100 Now getting into that 4100 range, that's kind of no man's land. Like, it seems like a little bit too expensive for him. So adding him in could be a way to get different. If not, like, Justin Hull would probably be the guy. Like, Mark Giordano's not really shooting the puck at 4,300. He's been blocking shots, like you mentioned in our Discord, but he hasn't been shooting. On the Duck side, it's probably just going to be, like, like, if you want to have Fowler, it's fine. But like you mentioned yesterday, he is pretty reliant on hitting the score sheet. So if you want some shot blocks, I guess, like, Dimitri Kulakov or Simone Benoit would be the guys.
3: Yeah, yeah. Um... The only guy I really wanted to mention was Benoit. Um, He played 19 minutes again last night. I think he had two blocks and a shot. Obviously, we were looking for that one extra block from him. He didn't get it. He's in another pretty good spot to go rack up that block bonus. He loves throwing his body in front of of shots, and he's probably going to get lots of opportunities to do so against the Leafs tonight.
2: Yeah, and... I know I said I'm a Leafs hater, but shooting Mitch Marner is the best Mitch Marner. When he shoots the puck, I want to adopt him. When he doesn't shoot the puck, I want to shun him. Seattle Kraken, 2.8 total. Heading into Tampa Bay, the Lightning have a 3.6 total. Philip Grubauer confirmed. Andre Vasilevsky is probable. Looks like Tampa Hagel point Kucherov, then Stamkos Paul Kalorn. Top line fully correlated. It's a broken record when talking about a team playing Seattle their five on five lines are pretty good defensively their goalies have been horrific I don't think Ely Tolvanen is going to be in the lineup I know they they claimed him that's not really relevant at this point for me looking at Tampa's ownership their top line is coming in a bit lower than the second line I Sam Coast, you know just because you know the second line is cheaper but I think going to the top line for Tampa is a fine play if they have like it's Not the best matchup, and it's hard to rely on bad goaltending because any goaltender can have a great game in any matchup at any point. But I think Tampa One is a nice play tonight.
3: Yeah, um, I'll start with Tampa One. Um, what I I wrote them up uh, in my picks article today, I'll just bring that up real quick. Free to read up on stochastic.com. I did write up uh, the Tampa Bay top line. Their problem has been shooting percentage, which is something that we just discussed with the Leafs. That was kind of the problem with Toronto through the first five weeks of the season, give or take. um, Was the Matthews line shooting like 8% rather than 12% or 13% or something um, that we might expect from them? Um, That's the problem that Tampa 1 has here. They're shooting um, under 8% as a line this year, which... If you look at Nikita Kucherov's history, that's incredibly low for any line with Nikita Kucherov on it. Um, if there's a cure for a low shooting percentage, it is the Seattle Kraken goaltending. Um, 30th overall save percentage uh, over the last month. Uh, 29th overall save percentage on the season. They were awful last year, too. It's just something that hasn't improved. Um Seattle's like you said not a bad defensive team but you know their goalies can easily let in like four goals on 27 shots or something like that right like this is just a a pretty good spot for that Tampa top line considering how bad the Seattle goaltending has been so I do like Tampa one they're one of my more favorite lines that aren't priced at like 23k or something like that today um I think you know like you said coming in reasonable ownership three to four percent on DraftKings I think they're even lower on FanDuel, where they're relatively more expensive um you know, Kucherov has been shooting a little bit less of late. He only has 14 shots in his last five games. Um, but Braden Point's price is very reasonable at 6 k Hagel's not expensive. They're perfectly correlated. I really do like Tampa 1 here. Um, Tampa 2, I think if it, it's a situation where I would probably do a power play stack rather than just full stack Tampa 2. Like, there's just not enough. Of, like, it's like 3500 the the difference between the two lines. And it's like... If Stamkos and Kutrov are relatively equal, do you, would you rather save thirty five hundred and play Nick Paul and Alex Kalorn, or pay the extra thirty five hundred for Hagel and point on the top power play unit? That's just the way I look at it. So, I do like Tampa one coming in with a pretty good um, uh, projection uh, as a line here. Um, obviously, a great matchup against the Seattle goaltending. Tampa one's probably one of my favorite. I, I think they're like I had them number four on my priority list. So, I, I really do like Tampa here. Uh, tonight on the Seattle side, that second line, the McCann beneers Everly line, has been pretty good. Um, their last hundred-ish minutes together, two point eight expected goals for, one point nine expected goals against. There's that defense that you were talking about. Um, six and a half goals scored. Now that's shooting over twenty percent. But you know, Maddie Baneers is starting to shoot uh, more, which was a problem early in the season. Uh, Jordan Everly uh, has been shooting more over the last month compared to the first month of the season. So. Um, it's a tough matchup going into Tampa, but it is one of those lines that uh, I would definitely fa- keep an eye on or factor in um, if I was playing a ton of lineups here tonight.
2: Yeah, and Seattle with a 2.8 row total is not nothing. Like, no. that's that's a big total, especially for them. Uh, so, yeah, I do like that call on Seattle, too. Let's move to the blue line here, Vinny Dunn. It's it's, it's honestly not the worst power play spot for Seattle, so I don't mind Vinny Dunn at 4,500. Carson Susie, 2,600. Adam Larson, if he wants to, like, Adam Larson, 4,100. It's a bit pricey for my taste for him. Like, if he was in the mid threes, I'd be more interested in that. Like, I'd probably just full on punt with Susie, or, you know, it, it, it's always the worst, you know, putting in Susie and then Will Borgan goes off, and then you put in Borgen and then Cal Flurry goes off. You put in Flurry and then Susie goes off, but, like, Susie.
3: Um, I'll just mention Justin Schultz. The reason I say that is because Seattle's kind of like um, Los Angeles where there's, quote, second power play unit has been better this season than the top power play unit. Um, so I don't, you know, I don't mind Justin Schultz, even as a one off because he's cheap enough where, you know, even if Seattle only gets a couple goals, if he factors into one of them, he could probably pay off his value. So I don't mind Schultz here tonight. Hedman's a weird one because the power play has been legitimately worse with him this year than with Sergachev. You know, they are going back and forth between the two of them for a while. Um, they're generating more shot attempts, more shots, more goals with Sergachev. So I don't think you have to use Hedman, but even at that price, like considering what he's done over the last few years, um, if they start turning it around over the next 50 games, his price is going to go up like 1500. Right. So um, I think Hedman's perfectly fine.
2: Yep. Agree there. As we mentioned off the top, we're sponsored by BetMGM. We can get you a BetMGM risk-free bet up to $1,000 and two months of Stochastic Plus Platinum for free. All you got to do, the most important part, click the link in the description below. Uh, If if you don't have a Stochastic membership, you can create one for free or log in if you already have one. Then follow the steps with BetMGM. You know what you have to do. You create an account. You deposit at least $10 if you want your risk-free bet to be $10. That is the minimum. Do 10, up to 1,000. You make your first paid bet. Your bet must settle. Then you'll receive an email from BetMGM, not Stochastic. So if you're not seeing it, check your junk folders. With instructions for redeeming your two free months, Stochastic Plus Platinum, most important thing, click that link in the description. It will take you step by step. Columbus, 2.5 total. Heading into Florida, the Panthers have a four total. Where's Lickens probable? Sergey Bobrovsky is confirmed. We were talking about this game a little bit as well before the show. You said in the last game, Panthers went to Verhege, Barkov, Kachuk for a good portion of the game. They didn't have a morning skate, so we're, this is one of those games we're going to have to wait to warm ups. And it's an important one because they have a four total and they're not getting much ownership, which seems like a logical pivot off the Maple Leaf. So, what are you doing with the Panthers?
3: Yeah, this is one where um, I, I think Verhege, Barkov, and Reinhardt is a perfectly fine uh, line to play, right? Um, you know, you get Reinhardt uh, on the top power play unit um, with Barkov. Uh, so, you know, you get two out of the three guys in the top power play unit. Um, Verhege and Barkov have long been um, very good together. Um, There's a few seasons now where they've been excellent together. Um, the one issue that I'm having with Reinhardt on the wing is like, he's having some pretty big shooting percentage problems this season, or at least has for most of the season. And it's leaked onto that line. Like they're generating a lot when they're on, when Reinhardt and Garkov are on the ice together, they're just not scoring a lot. Now you got to assume that turns around. I, you know, they won't shoot 4% of five on five for the rest of the season. Um, But if they do have, Verhage, Barkov, and Kachuk. Um, yes, that's a pretty expensive line um, to put together. I think off the top of my head, it's around 22000 So less than Edmonton and Boston, but more expensive than you know most of the rest. Um, but Barkov, Kachuk, and Verhage have been absolutely lights out this season. They have over 100 minutes together. Their expected goals are above five. Uh, their actual goals are above five. Um, you, know, you would get two out of the three again on the top power play unit. The power play's been fine actually with Montour and Ekblad both there as long as Barkov's been there. Um, he does, he's obviously a difference maker on that line. Now, Columbus's penalty kill typically not awful. Um, but you know, their goaltending has definitely let them down this season. Um, you know, whether it's been Merzlikens or Corpus Allo, it hasn't really mattered. Uh, so if they do have Verhegi, Barkov, Kachuk. That's a line I would have a ton of interest in. If it's Reinhardt instead, I think they're still playable, especially where, you, like you said, not coming in with much ownership, coming at about 4% owned. Um, I think they're still fine, but I would really like to see Kachuk on that top line. On the Columbus side, it's kind of interesting, right? Um, Florida's not like an elite defensive team or anything like that. They do take a ton of penalties, 39 Times shorthanded per game, and the Columbus power play has been much, much better over the last like five weeks or so. Um, you know, the Gojo Jenner and Nyquist line has been good together. 2.9 expected goals for in 150 minutes, 3.4 actual goals for. Um, so I, I think that Columbus top line would be another one of those lines that I would definitely keep in my mix if I was playing a lot of lineups here tonight. But I think it's all about the Florida top line, especially if Kachuk is there.
2: Yeah, and that will lower the ownership on the full line of Barkov and Verhage. If it is Kachuk and we don't know until 630, like it's going to be really hard to adjust to that because Kachuk is 2,500 more than Reinhardt on DraftKings. So that that could be a nice little sneaky line. Just to keep in mind, on the blue line, Aaron Ekblad, 6,500. Brennan Montour, 6,600. I prefer Ekblad. you want to go to Gustav Forsling, <clears throat> I guess that's fine. I'd probably just find the extra 900 for Ekblad.
4: Looking for a fun way to win up to 25 times your money this basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. for a first deposit match-up to $100. Prize picks. Daily fantasy sports made easy. Okay, round two. Name something that's not
1: boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer
4: solitaire, huh?
1: Ah, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase. 18 plus terms
0: and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: Mark Stahl's been playing a ton of minutes. (laughs) That's about as nice thing I could say for Mark Stahl. Uh, On the Columbus side, it's right back to Gabranson, I think. Or Gavrikov, obviously.
3: Yeah, Gavrikov was the guy that I wrote up uh, in that picks article today. More, Way more so on DraftKings and FanDuel because the DraftKings block bonus does matter. Um, Florida, um, the shot happiest team in the league. They're 2.9 shots more per game than the next closest team. It's second place behind them. It's Florida and then Boston, I believe. Um, Gavrikov's been playing a lot of minutes, obviously, uh, with all the injuries. And These two teams played a few weeks ago and Gavrikov had seven blocks. So it's just, you know, it's kind of a preview of what he can do here tonight. I really do like Gavrikov for
2: 3,600. Yep. No, you won't hear me complain about putting Gavrikov into the lineup. Dallas Stars 2.9 total heading into New Jersey. The Devils have a 3.5 total. Both these teams played yesterday so it's probably going to be Scott Wedgwood and probably going to be Akira Schmid. Devil said they're that the coach said that they're just going to blow up all their lines. We'll have to wait and see what that means because since they're on a back-to-back, no skate. Same for the Dallas Stars here. That could bring some interest to the Stars for me depending on what these lines are. Now, if Tatar and Heischer are together, that's going to, you know, really mute my interest on dallas one but if like it's something random like miles wood nico he Jasper jesper Bockwist, like lines that we don't have samples on i think taking a stab on dallas one here would be perfectly fine it's akira schmid who if everyone's healthy he would be in the ahl so we'll have to wait and see on the devil's lines they have a 3.5 total with wedgewood in net opposing him so if there is a devil's line that I like, I do have interest in devils. And depending on the devil's lines, that would make me have interest in Dallas one.
3: Yeah. Um, wow. Dallas's wow. top line per our top stacks tool coming in at 30, I think it was 35.8 points, which that's pretty, that's pretty good for a road total um, against a team. Um, that is arguably the best defensive team in the league. But like you said, Akira, Schmid, and Net does make a difference uh, in goal uh, for them. And, you know, Dallas has been on a bit of a slide. But, you know, I was looking over their, like their last nine games. It's still 3.1 expected goals, 4 per 60, 4.1 actual goals, 4 per 60. I think the big problem has been coming on the penalty kill, which or on the power play, sorry, which has still been good, but not the way it was over the first month plus of the season or whatever. Um, A lot of it is shooting percentage related, but that was going to happen because the power play was shooting like 26% or something through the first four or five weeks. It's been down to 10% over the last few weeks. Um, So not necessarily a great power play spot for them, but um, considering their ownership, um, as you mentioned, coming in about three or 4% home, like I really do like Dallas here. I think they're one of those pivots that you can use to get away from Toronto one. Like if you don't want to play a super high on Toronto one, you use a Dallas or a Colorado or a Florida that we just talked about. Um, No problem using Dallas here. Wouldn't go to any of the Dallas, Dallas depth lines. Um, You know, Delandria played what, like 14 minutes last night. Um, I think the line can be good, but I would just rather go to Dallas one. um, Get the, get the lines that have been playing together and playing a lot better all season long like on the New Jersey side, we just don't know what to really offer, right? Because we don't know what the lines are going to be considering the coach said they're going to blow them up. As long as Bratt is playing with one of his or Hughes, what, whatever line they have is probably the line I'll have the most interest in. Um, but I will say that Dallas does take a lot of penalties, 3.7 times shorthanded per game. Um, so I think it might be a case again, like last night where I would do a double center, like his and Hughes, plus Tatar or plus Mercer or plus, you know, I don't think you'd slide in Brad. He's just not shooting enough, but definitely, you know, somebody like Mercer. So we'll see what the lines look like. Um, I think New Jersey double center would be my recommendation regardless, but it is Dallas one that I, I kind of like most here in this game.
2: What well, if your buddy Alexander Holtz moves up into the top six?
3: It's not going to happen. They'll send it back to the AHL before he goes to the top six. <laughs>
2: yeah, that's true. Lindy Ruff, the woe for young um, on the blue lines here, I think Dougie's fine. Like 6,100 is fine. If he was like 7,400, I'd say that's too expensive. But this is a, a pretty good power play spot. So 6,100 is fine. Ryan Graves, I guess you got to start talking about Jonas Stegenthaler for DFS because he has been shooting the puck a bit more. Uh, so Graves or Siegenthaler On the Dallas side, probably just going back to Esselindel. Dell.
3: Yeah. One guy I'll mention is one of the min punts I do like today. And that's Damon Severson. Um, The problem with him earlier this year was that he was playing like 15, 16 minutes a game. He's been closer to like 19 minutes over the last few games. As long as he's playing 19 minutes with power play two time at stone men price, like he's one of the punts I do like today.
2: Yep. No argument for me. If you are a new user to stochastic and you've never had a membership, you can get a three day risk-free trial The most important point, again, is you click the link in the description. It'll take you to where you need to go. You get full access to everything NHL. You'll get the top stacks, which we show on the show a bunch. You'll get the lineup builder, which is amazing. It has, you know, the lines, the projections, the price, the ownership. Cliffy has it up on the screen there for a second there. Um, There's the lineup builder. It, it's probably the best tool that we have. It's awesome. You get you know, projections, ownership, rankings, which everything you get in the lineup builder that we just mentioned. You also get to join our Discord, which is invaluable. Uh, saved me so many times with some scratches before lock. So yeah, click the link in the description, sign up for your three-day risk-free trial. Carolina Hurricanes, 3.3 total. Heading into Detroit, the Wings have a 2.7 total. Piotr Kuchi, kochetkov probable for the Hurricanes. Ville Huso, confirmed for the Red Wings. 3.3 road total for the Hurricanes. Paul Stasny, top-line center, 2022. Make it make sense, man. Ugh, I just don't have much interest in stacking anything for the Hurricanes with Aho out. It's just a mess. Um, I guess like a one-off Svechnikov is fine. A one-off, one-off Tara in at 3,600 on the top power play is fine. Like there just isn't much, but like the total is nice. So like there has to be stuff to like here on the wing side. Like again, another team with lines that are just pretty miserable right now, maybe some Mark and Perron, but that's really about it.
3: I, we were talking in our discord and I was I was just wondering aloud what game is going to screw me tonight. It feels like it's going to be yep. Carolina Detroit because what I mentioned in the picks article, because I, I do like Billy Huso as a goalie, what I mentioned in the picks article is Sebastian Ajo has more points than every other Carolina center combined, like Kockeniemi and install and Stasny and Stepan. Um, he's obviously a pretty big engine for them. We've talked before about Kakeniemi struggles this year, played I think 18 minutes in the last game. Um, he's just not driving the play at all, still playing well defensively, but there's just been nothing there offensively. And yet, despite that, their implied goal total is only 0.1 goals lower than Los Angeles, which really, really surprised me. Um, but they're, yeah, obviously they're expecting goals here. Like, Sveshmikov and Natas weren't awful playing with Kock and Emmy. 2.6 expected goals for, I think that's about league average. Three actual goals for, that's fine. But that's not, like, great production or anything like that, right? And the Detroit penalty kill has been on a little bit of a slide of late. But without Aho, how good is the Carolina top power play going to be? Like, he's there by... Um, shot attempt impact this season, he's been their best power play forward. And, you know, you're going to replace him um, with, you know, Tara Vinen. um I guess it's fine, but it just feels like I'm, I'm with you. It feels like I'm missing something here that with no Ajo, they still have a 3.3 total, which is 0.1 goals lower than Los Angeles, 0.1 goals lower than um, uh, Edmonton. Um, you know, not that far behind, um, Washington who are visiting Chicago. It's not like Detroit's an awful team. I don't think they're very good, but they're, you know, they're not a Chicago or something like that. So yeah, I'm with you where I think like a one-off Svechnikov probably makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, even a one-off set Jarvis or something like that. I don't know if I'd full stack anything because. It feels like these are lines that are not going to stay together, especially where they said, you know, they're going 11 forwards, 7 defensemen. It feels like these lines aren't going to stay together all game. I would just take the wingers that are probably going to play a lot. And it's guys like Sveshtikov, guys like Natchez, guys like And On the Detroit side, like, if anything, it's to that Perron, Larkin, Raymond line, right? Um They've been fine, if a little bit leaky defensively. Three expected goals, four per 60 minutes in their time. You know, over 60 shot attempts in their minutes together. Um, You know, Larkin is shooting the puck. Um, With no Ajo, it does get rid of one of Carolina's best penalty killers. And, you know, Carolina's penalty kill has definitely not been bad this year, but certainly not the penalty kill it was last year. Um, So, I I don't think I'll get to Detroit. Um, It it just feels like... um, I don't want to say a trap game because, like, I don't really like that term. But it just feels like a weird game to me. I think if anything, it's just one-offing some of the wingers from the Carolina side.
2: Yeah, and the weird thing about Carolina morning really and I think what, throughout the day, Carolina opened at three point one and they went up to a three point three. It's not like they were at three point three and went down. Like their total's been going up, and I just I feel like I'm missing something. I, I feel like I'm losing my mind. And I, I, maybe because it's 11 7, but like if, if the Hurricanes had a competent replacement for Ajo on that top line, then yeah, I get it. But Paul Stasny, yeah, he, ha- he hasn't been like an offensive top center since the 70s. It's like, like just, I, I,
3: just give me an Alex Wenberg. I would take an Alex Wenberg at this yeah. point. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah. Give me Alex uh-huh. Wenberg and I would, I would, I'd. Be in on sveshnikov yeah. Lenberg, Neches, and Jake. Jake is all excited. I saw his desk just raised three inches and he's, he's not even on the screen. But, like, yeah, like Paul Stasny, Jess Barry, Cockney, Emmy, Jordan Stahl, Derek Stepman, like all those guys should be the fourth line center.
3: Hey, so anyway. I'd, I'd say Stahl's pretty good. Like, the, the problem is Stahl and Cockney, Emmy are kind of the same player, and Stahl's just way better at everything else. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So.
2: Their offensive upside is limited. But anyway, it's enough about ranting about the Hurricanes. On the blue line, if they're going to go seven defensemen, the only one I really want I really have interest in is probably Bretton Burns, just because he's going to play a ton of minutes. On the Detroit side, Phil Pronick is fine. Jake Wallman, 2,700 up onto that second pair, also fine.
3: Yeah. Haranick's kind of the guy that stood out a little bit to me for this reason is the Detroit power play has actually been better with Haranick than with Cedar this year. Um, so I don't mind heronic at 4,800, honestly. But, yeah, obligatory Jake Wallman mentioned. But other than that, not a lot of interest in the blue liners.
2: Yeah, let's get to a game that feels really important and there is not much ownership on it. And it's another one of those things where I'm just confused. I'm just confused a lot. today. Maybe I'm just in a fog. I don't know. I feel like I need to talk to somebody. So I'm going to talk to Cliffy about it. Edmonton Oilers with a 3.4 total. Heading into Nashville, the Predators have a 3.1 Both of these teams played yesterday, so it's going to be Jack Campbell. It's going to be Kevin Lankinen. McDavid, 7% against one of the worst penalty kills and not UC Soros. What? And then you look on the other side, 3%, 4% for a Nashville top line against Jack Campbell. What? Make it make sense for me, Cliffy.
3: Yeah, I'm not going to be able to make it make sense. I I think the 3.4 total from Edmonton actually makes sense a little bit because – Um, it's basically like expecting three goals from the top line and 0.4 from the rest of the lineup. (laughs) So that's kind of the way that I look at it. Um, Yeah, the Nashville penalty kill, like they're kind of limiting chances a little bit, but the goaltending's kind of let them down. Like Saros really hasn't been that great this year. Lankanen's actually been pretty good, but it's only been six starts. Like you don't want to rely on six starts for a guy that's um, been kind of traveling around the league. So uh, like, I, you know, it is a downgraded net, not necessarily with the way they played this year, but again, Lankin has only played six games. Um, it is a pretty good spot for the Edmonton top line, but they still are ridiculously expensive. Um, 24900 is a lot. There are cheap lines across the slate that you can go to. Um, I think somebody in our chat was talking about Toronto 3. Which, you know, I, I think that's something that's fine to do is to go attack a third line um, playing in a high total game. And, you know, Toronto 3 is 7,700. So, it is you know, if you use two of those guys, you can probably fill out a decent lineup just going with a duo stacks. It's just one way to get Edmonton in. Um, it is a pretty good matchup for the Edmonton top line, um, the Nashville top line. So far this season, 2.7 expected goals against per 60 minutes worse than league average. Uh four goals against per 60 minutes. Obviously that's worse than league average. Um, you know, I don't have a lot of faith in Lankan and, you know, as a long term, he can play well in any single game, basically any goal he can. Um, but I you know, it's I think it's an easier matchup than having Soros. Um Nashville's um above average by uh, penalties taken per game. So it is a reasonable power play spot for the Oilers as well. So I do like Edmonton one here. Like, I think I would probably rather play Edmonton than Boston, if that makes sense. Uh, um, so I do like Edmonton one here. Um, if you want to get a little bit cheaper, one thing that I always say is that you can take out Zach Hyman and put in um, Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Though so I was looking at Leon Dreisaitl's game logs. He has one shot in each game and over his last five games, he has five shots in five games. But then I was looking over the last, he's shooting over 20% over the last five years. It's <laughs> just absolutely ridiculous. I do like Edmonton one. On the flip side for Nashville, I talk, we'll talk about Roman Yossi in a bit. When I, I talked about Roman Yossi in the Picks article, what I brought up, statistically speaking, Jack Campbell's been the worst goalie in the NHL in the calendar 2022. Um, he's last by high danger save percentage, um, last by goal save above expected this season close to last, maybe second last. So, you know, he's been absolutely terrible basically since Christmas of last year. It's a pretty good spot for Nashville, um, including on the power plate. Uh, Edmonton does take a lot of penalties, 3.8 times shorthanded per game. So top line, very much in play. I think uh, Duchenne, Granlin, Forsberg. But I'm going to be honest, and we'll get to the defenseman here. If I'm going to play anything on the Nashville side, I think Roman Yossi is by far my favorite favorite thing on their side. I I might be more tempted by, like, a Forsberg
2: one-off or something
3: like that.
2: Yeah, I don't know if I'd full-stack Nashville top line, but, like, I definitely don't mind, like, one-off Forsberg, one-off Duchesne, two-man Forsberg, Duchesne, and then adding in Yossi. Let's get to that blue line, Roman Yossi, 8,800. I don't even – I'm out of adjectives to describe Roman Yossi. So, yeah, if you get him in, you get him in. This could be – Going yeah. So <laughs> Roman Yosi definitely in play for me on the Edmonton side. Like this is a good spot for the power play and you can add in Barry, I guess at 4,900. I think I'd rather just play Darnell nurse for a hundred dollars cheaper.
3: Yeah. Um, yeah. What I wrote in that picks article, um, obviously Jack Campbell has been probably the worst goalie in calendar 2022. Um, Edmonton is the most, pe- one of the most penalized teams in the NHL. And they're giving up the most shots per minute over the last month on the penalty kill. Um, this seems like a prime spot for Roman Yosi, who's averaging 21.2 DraftKings points over his last 19 games. Um, yeah, Roman Yossi is just straight up one of my favorite plays. Dante Fabro, if you need a min pun.
2: There you go, Haas. Vegas Golden Knights with a 2.8 total heading into Winnipeg. The Jets have a 3.2 total. Aiden Hill probable, Connor Hellebuck confirmed. Flowchart says this is a tougher matchup, so you probably should play him. They're not getting too much ownership here. I do like this spot, especially when it's Aiden Hill in net. I think he's a pretty good big downgrade from Logan Thompson. I like the Jets side here. The Knights side is okay. Like, they're just – like, they'd probably be an MME filler for me.
3: I, I'm i out on Vegas. There no Jack go. Eichel, no Shea Theodore, no Alex Petrangelo, no Zach Whitecloud. Like, they're missing their top center. They're missing half their defensemen, including their two top offensive defensemen, I would say. Yeah. Um, Like, I'm just out on Vegas. trying to be nice, and you're just
2: off the top rope with the diamond cutter or something. (laughs) (laughs)
3: Like, if anything, it would probably be Vegas 2. The Vegas top line really hasn't been that great there with Cotter. I don't think that's a big surprise to anybody. Um, Vegas 2 is still putting up pretty good, like, decent offensive numbers, and at least Marsh so. Um, shooting over three shots per game his last five games. So if anything, it'd be Vegas too. But it's the Winnipeg side that interests me more. Like I said, no Eichel, no the- Theodore, no Petrangelo, no White Cloud. Um, the line of Wheeler, Shifley, and Perfidi, um, 125 minutes together. 3.4 expected goals for, 3.9 actual goals for. Wheeler has 19 shots in his last five games. I thought that guy was just dead offensively, but it seems like Shifley and Perfidi have been able to kind of revive um, his offensive performance. You know, they're going to get a lot of the Vegas second and third lines, which kind of sucks. I think because you actually want them out against Vegas one with Stevenson and Cotter there, Um, you know, but it is what it is. It's not a bad power play matchup for Winnipeg either. Um, The Vegas penalty kill has been on a little bit of a slide. I don't think that surprises anybody with all the injuries that they have on the blue line. Now, Vegas doesn't take a lot of penalties. Winnipeg doesn't draw a lot of power plays, um, but it is a good spot if they do actually ever get the man advantage. Um, Both of the Winnipeg top lines are perfectly fine here. I just think that that Perfidi, Shifley, Wheeler are playing a little bit better, and I do like them in this matchup.
2: Yep, agreed there. Probably out on at least the skaters on Vegas. Like, there might be something on the blue line. Let's talk about it. Nick Hague up on the top pair at 3,200. Is all right. Ben Hutton, mid price, running the top power play. I guess it's fine. Like, I'm a big Ben Hutton guy, but I don't know. I don't even know about in this spot. Um, on the Jets side, Josh Morrissey for that power play at 6,200. Like, it seems so expensive for Josh Morrissey, but he's been – I guess he's been lucky, but he's also been, you have to be lucky to be good, I guess, or good to be lucky. I don't know, but 6,200 is fine. Uh, Brennan Dillon for some shot blocks is fine. Nate Schmidt, I guess, is all right as well. Yeah. um,
3: I think Braden McNabb might be the guy for me from this game. He's reasonably priced at 4K. He's averaging like 2.4 blocks per game. And considering he'll probably get more ice time tonight, obviously with all those injuries, definitely in line for a block bonus. You know, he's, he's not a big volume shooter, but he, you know, he's at like 1.5 shots per game, which is kind of fine. So, um, you know, maybe he can get a block bonus and assist from him and a shot or, you know, something like that, get a little bit of everything across the board. I don't mind McNabb here. Probably the only guy that I'm really have a lot of interest in other than Hague. I think Hague's fine for his price, but honestly, I'd rather probably just find another $800 for McNabb.
2: Yep. Washington capitals, 3.5 total heading into Chicago. Blackhawks have a 2.5 total. Charlie Lindgren pop, probable. Peter Mrazek confirmed. Sam Lafferty up on the top line with Max Domi and Patrick Kane, and still almost have a 30-point projection. Wild, it's wild. Like this is actually a pretty good power play spot on both sides here. I obviously prefer the Capitals' power play side here, and they're not getting much ownership. Alex Ovechkin, I think, has empty net goals in the last five games. <laughs>
3: I it's, it's at least three. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Yeah. So including two in one game.
2: Yeah. So like he's coming in at 6.6% projected right now, even if that's like eight, 9%, like, you know, how I talked about not wanting off one-offing Matthews, I think one-offing Ovechkin is perfectly fine, but I think, you know, power play stacking on either side, obviously capitals are preferred and would be in consideration in one to three Blackhawks power play stuff would be in consideration for MME.
3: Yeah, um, it's obviously the Washington side that I like here. Like, I have no interest um, in the Chicago side. Like, the Washington penalty kill, like, you're right. Like, they did struggle through, like, the first month of the season. The last month, they've actually been really, really good. Um, Chicago just doesn't generate anything. So, like, I'm just out on the Blackhawks. Washington top line, Ovechkin, Strom, Shiri. Um, We keep talking about it. It's like, when are they going to finally start scoring? Their last 100 minutes together at five on five, 3.9 expected goals per 60 minutes, 1.3 actual goals. They're shooting 3%. Once that starts regressing uh, in a positive manner, they're really going to start filling the net. They're not coming in with much ownership. You get two out of the three guys on the top power play unit. Chicago's power plays or penalty kills, obviously, not very good. Um, it's Ovechkin Strom Sheary that I like here. If you want to take Shiri off, put on Kuznetsov, or put on Oshie or something like that, make it a more of a power play stack, I think that's perfectly fine. Um, as I brought up on the last show, power play's been a lot better since Oshie returned. So it is the power play guys I like the most, but it's the Washington top line. They're going to get matched up against Khrushchev, Taze, Radish. Um, that line is sitting at 3.6 expected goals against for 60 minutes this year, under a 40% expected goal share. Washington's top line should be able to run them over and obviously it's a good power play spot. So Washington won, but like I said, if you want to take out Sherry and put him in one of, like, Kuznetsov or Oshie or something, I think that's perfectly fine.
2: Yep, let's move to the blue line. I like John Carlson, 7,200, especially if you're doing Washington stuff. Um, Nick Jensen, all right, now that Orlov's back. Uh, Orlov at 4K is a bit expensive for him. On the Hawks side, Connor Murphy for shot blocks, that's about it.
3: Yeah, Murphy on on DK is perfectly fine. Um, John Carlson is one of those expensive defensemen um, that I do like here today. Um, You know, we talked earlier uh, about expensive D-men on this slate. Um, It is Carlson. Like, Carlson and Yossi are kind of the two guys that I'm really looking at uh, on this slate. So, Carlson on the Washington side, I would do like Murphy on the Chicago side, like you said, for blocks. And I think Seth Jones on FanDuel is Fine, I think he's like fifty-four hundred, which is perfectly fine. Like if they're going to do anything, um, he's probably going to be involved in it. Um, so I don't mind him on FanDuel. I think he's a little overpriced on tracking. So,
2: yep, Philadelphia Flyers with a two-point-four total heading into Colorado. The Avalanche have a three-point-five. Felix Sandstrom, Pavel Francouz confirmed that. <sighs> I now have more interest in the Colorado top line, which is Ranted, Rantanen, and Nishushkin. Like, okay, even when McKinnon comes back, I think we're both on the same page here if I throw this out there. Miko Rantanen should be the 2C even when McKinnon comes back. So I don't think Rantanen's out of place here. He has good line mates with Lekanen and Nishushkin. They're on the top power play. They're not getting too much ownership here. They're going to get a backup in the Flyers. Flyers a team, so many injuries. They're not very good defensively. So I really like Colorado One here tonight.
3: Yeah, I was just looking at Sandstrom's game log. Seven starts this year. He's allowed at least four goals and four of them. Um don't really like uh this, this spot for him. I think they're kind of throwing him to the wolves. Uh I was I wrote up Colorado one in the picks article again. Um, I'll bring that up real quick over at stochastic.com. Free to read for everybody. Um, I wrote up Colorado One. The reason I wrote them up, even without Nathan McKinnon, is I was looking at Rantanen and Achushkin's numbers with any center over the last two years besides Nathan McKinnon and Nazem Kadri, and they've still been really, really good. Um, about 3.5 expected goals for per 60 minutes, roughly the same actual goals for. Um, the Philadelphia top line, in a small sample, has been better defensively. Um with Travis Konechny and Noah Cates there, but Hayes and Konechny have a pretty long sample of not being good defensively together. So that's kind of what I would buy into. Um, like I've said before, when Lekkinen was healthy, I think if you want to make this stack cheaper, um, you can take Lekkinen off and put Comfort on, um, save yourself nearly $3,000 on DraftKings, go with a double center. Um, I think that's perfectly acceptable here where um, the Flyers penalty kill, um, has really struggled, especially with their goalies. Um, I'd like to have Nathan McKinnon back in that lineup, but that Colorado top line looks like one of those spots that I would go to if you really want to get away um, from the heavy Toronto ownership that we're expecting here tonight. Uh, yeah, nothing I agree, on the flyer's yeah, back. I, I, I didn't think yeah, yeah. that really needed to be said, but uh, –
2: yeah, like I'm out on the flyers, too. There's just nothing there. Let's move to the blue line. I think Cal McCarr is in a really good spot here, um, 7,300. I probably prefer Carlson and Yossi, but McCarr in the up there as well. Devin Tay's down to 4,700. I guess that's fine. He needs to start shooting the puck more, I guess, Jam. Gerard, 3,100 fine. On the flyer side, Cam York, 2,600 on the top power play. People maybe will play him, but, like, I don't know. This not the best spot. And the other guys are just too expensive.
3: Devin Taves, do you mean Colorado Mackenzie Weger Yeah. Because Devin Taves really hasn't been doing a whole lot um, so far this season. Like, his price is fine. The matchup is good. I, I don't have a problem playing with him, but I agree with you. I'd probably – I mean – I think obviously the price reflects that you'd rather play McCar, but I think this is a spot where I'd probably play McCar. Yeah, Yam Cork uh, back in the lineup for Philly in the last game played a lot of minutes on the top power play. I, I, he's one of those. He's not min price, but he's very near min price. I do like him. It's not like like Colorado's penalty kills not been super elite they've been saved by their goaltending a little bit so um you know you have Hayes, you have Konechny, you have jvr you have all those guys back so don't mind yam pork for 2600 here tonight probably the only guy that i really want to play on the flyer side
2: yep let's move on to the last game of the night where the total keeps on rising on both sides arizona coyotes with a 2.8 total heading into san jose the sharks have a 3.6 total that was at 3.2 this morning uh, Carol Vamelka probable, James Reimer confirmed. I always like the Sharks top line, but I like them more when they're not getting double digit ownership projected. And tonight is one of those nights, I think you can go there. I think you can leave Awful Bank, add in you know, the couture off for some power play. Um, on the Coyote side, I think there is some stuff that you have to consider. Their totals going up, James Reimer's back after an injury. <coughs> think it would probably be that top line.
3: Yeah. Um, San Jose one, like you said, not coming in with much ownership, 6 to 7% on DraftKings. I worry that one thing I always think about is when you see a total get steamed um, in Vegas is does that mean there's going to be more ownership than we expect in DFS? Um, that's one of the things I always think about. So maybe they come in closer to like 10% owned or something like that, but it's still perfectly fine. Like this is a tremendous power play spot. For the Sharks, um, Arizona's at 4.3 times shorthanded per game now. San Jose typically doesn't draw a lot of penalties, um, but this seems like a game where they actually could. And the penalty kill for Arizona has been on a little bit of a slide of late. Um, I wrote up Thomas Hurdle, Tomash Hurdle, sorry, in the picks article. He's been shooting the puck a lot more lately, which was something that he wasn't doing earlier in the season. So at least a two man of and hurdle full stack, to the top line is perfectly fine. Um, same thing here as um, you know, some other spots, like he said, if you want to leave off the bank and put on couture or put on bear Banoff or something like that, I think that's perfectly acceptable, but it, I really do like that. Sharks top line prepared to get short tonight, man. Um, I, that's just kind of the way it goes. 10 30 start might be up till uh, two 30 in the morning or well, it's 11 30 start here. So it might be up till two 30 in the morning watching the sharks, but it is a, a stack that I really do like up. It's up there with, um, you know, the Tampa one that I talked about earlier, the sub 20 K stacks that I like on the Arizona side. Uh, if people want to go to the top line after that Clayton Keller hat trick in their last game, I, you know, it perfectly fine. It's Lawson and that I have more interest in. Um, he shoots the puck a reasonable amount, gets decent ice time. Um, they, you know, that second line for the Sharks has been kind of bad defensively at times this year. So, um, if anything, it'd be like a one-off loss in crowds, but it's the Sharks' top line, obviously, that I really like here.
2: Yeah, it's so funny because we're always like, yeah, you know, ten thirty, eleven thirty start. We'll just put the guys in and go to bed, and we're always up at two in the morning, going, why, why, why did we do this? <laughs> yeah. Here we are. But yeah, that is the twelve gamer here. Who you like in that? There's a lot of options tonight.
3: Yeah, I wrote up Huso because I, I think Carolina's uh, really in date. I mean, I, it, this really feels like I'm tempting fate here. But I think that, you know, there's a reasonable chance they get shut out without Ajo uh, in the lineup. Obviously, Connor Hellebuck um, has a very reasonable price for Winnipeg here tonight. Um, just 7,800 over on DraftKings against an Eichel, Petrangelo, Theodoris, uh Golden Knights team. So I do like Hellebuck again as well. Um, I did like Georgiev, but it is Fransuz starting. You know, I think Fransuz is fine if you want to pay up a little bit um, in goal as well. I'll mention obviously Ilya Samsonov on Fanduel. Um, he's priced at 6,500 on FD. I imagine he'll carry a ton of ownership here tonight, but you got to mention him for his price if you're playing on Fanduel.
2: Yeah, the only one I'll add is if it's Phoenix Copley, like yeah, it's not great, but seventy six hundred, I think is okay. I think that's a winnable matchup. If you're really looking to uh, ride some roller coasters tonight, John Gibson at seven K could be could I, be hey a minute. lot of fun.
3: He went into Boston earlier this year and saved thirty five of thirty six, and I think it was a shootout loss. So yeah, it can be done. It I can be done.
2: Yeah, I'm not expecting that from him, no, but I I'm not I either. I do think there's a – if he doesn't get yanked in the first period on giving up like six goals on 12 shots, I think there's a fair chance that he sees the save bonus on DK.
3: Yeah, I agree.
2: Who you like can use your hat trick pick?
3: Uh, I'm going to go away from all those super high total games, and I'm going to take a little gamble tonight on Mark Shifley.
2: I'm going to – you know, because our year-end review is coming up, I don't even know if that's a real thing. I don't but, think so. Yeah, it's, it's not, but – Roman Yossi.
3: <laughs> there we go. Roman Yossi. All right. Well, yeah, Jake. Uh, Jake's going to put an extra ticket in, in your performance review box for sure after that one.
2: Yeah, it's going to be pink. <laughs> uh, <laughs> for, uh, for Slim Cliffy, I am Josh Harris. We'll be back on Thursday, a rare day off tomorrow. Uh, enjoy that. Um, we'll see you on Thursday. Good luck, everybody. Hopefully we navigated this slate for you. And we'll see you in Discord.
3: Good
1: luck, Rudy, everyone. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.